0: Welcome to Tuesday's Truth, brought to you by A.T. Stewart Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. We're studying winning the spiritual war. We as Christians are involved in a spiritual war with the archenemy of our souls, the devil and his demons. Yet God has given us what we need to win the war if we will put on the spiritual armor and use the weapons that he's given us. Take your Bible now and join me as we look at how to win the spiritual battle. In 1992, there was a young man of 16 years of age who was playing in a golf tournament in Miami, Florida. It was the Junior Orange Bowl Tournament. And according to this man's father, as he tells the story, this young man was kind of full of himself. And he uh, was not, thanks for not going as he would like in the tournament, and he started pouting. And then his game ended up going into the tank, and he just gave up. His father, an ex-Green Beret, chewed him out and told him that golf didn't owe him anything and that he had better never, ever again quit. And his father says that the young man did not say a word but neither did he ever quit again. That young man was Tiger Woods, and history has told what he has gone on to accomplish even in his short years. He was the youngest person to ever win the Masters by the largest margin ever of 12 strokes. He has won it three other times since, puts him in the category with Arnold Palmer and uh, Jack Nicholas, and he probably will be the best golfer that history has ever known before he's finished. But he simply points up the truth, illustrates the truth, the main truth of the message this morning. And that is that winners never quit and quitters never win. You may be thinking, well now, preacher, that's not too spiritual. (laughs) Well, it may not be, but folks, that puts the truth in a nutshell. And if you'll get it in your head, you'll have it in a nutshell. Quithers never win at sports. Quithers never win in business. Quithers never win in life. Quithers never win in war. And quithers never win in the spiritual warfare that we're talking about either. And we're continuing our series survivor west side i've said to you that the christian life is much like the television show survivor you've seen that show you know they take people and they place them in some remote hostile environment and they have to survive and the lone survivor wins the prize well the christian life is much like that we're placed in a hostile ungodly world and we as christians must survive and in this series we're not only desiring to help you know how to survive in this ungodly world, but also thrive in your Christian life while you find yourself in this ungodly world. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, and let's look at verse 10, beginning and reading through verse 18. As Paul talks about this spiritual battle the spiritual warfare that we as christians find ourselves in beginning with verse 10 stand in respect for the word of god as i read finally be strong in the lord and in the strength of his might put on the full armor of god so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, And may God bless the reading and the hearing, and most of all, the obeying of His Word. Now last week we talked about the war that we see ourselves involved in as Christians. And there were three things I told you about that war. First, it is a spiritual war that is not primarily against people, but against Satan and his demons. That's what Paul means when he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the powers. And These are spiritual forces that he's talking about. Secondly, we also saw the constancy of our war. It is constant. Satan prowls around, stalks around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He never lets up. He never takes a holiday. He never takes a day off. It is a 24-7 battle. Thirdly, we saw this war is characterized as a fierce hand-to-hand combat with devastating consequences if we lose. Satan and his demons are out for the kill. You are a marked person. There is a contract out on your life. And Satan and his demons want nothing better than to destroy your life, destroy your Christian witness, destroy your marriage, destroy your children. They are serious about this battle. And then fourthly, we noted that as Christians, we have the responsibility, first of all, of allowing ourselves to be strengthened by the Lord. And in the strength of His mind, And then secondly, we have the responsibility to put on the full armor of God. Now, if you were not here last week, you can request the CD of that message, and we can provide that for you, or you can go online and listen to the message there. The information is in your bulletin. You can come up to speed. Today, we're going to look at the first and foundational piece of our armor. The belt of commitment. Paul says in verse 14, Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. Now, the Roman soldier's first and foundational piece of armor was his belt. Now, since we're involved in a spiritual war, Paul takes military analogies to help us understand some truth about this spiritual war. And naturally, he takes the soldier of his day that was the feared Roman legionnaire. The Roman soldiers of Paul's day were the most well-trained, well-equipped soldiers that the world had known up until that time. It is said when the Roman army marched, the world trembled. Now, he takes the pieces of armor that the Roman soldier would have, and he uses those to talk about spiritual armor that we should have on as Christians. And the belt was the first and foundational piece of armor. It was the beginning place of the soldier's armor. It served two purposes. First... He would take the lower edges of his robe when he was engaged in war, in battle, and he would tuck it under his belt to help get it out of the way so he would not trip. And then secondly, as you can see from the picture, the belt was used to support his weapons. The scabbard for his sword and his quiver would be attached to his belt, and also It helped to keep his breastplate in place. So you can see if the Roman soldier attempted to fight without his belt, he would be in serious trouble. He would probably trip up on his robe and be easily prey to his enemy. And he would also not have his sword at his disposal because it would not be there at his waist. So no Roman soldier would even consider going to battle without his belt. It was central to everything else. Without it he'd be greatly hampered. Without it he would most ex- certainly experience defeat. The belt was central. It was foundational to victory. So when Paul wants to talk to you and I as Christians. And he wants to talk to us about the first and foundational piece of armor. That we must have on as we fight the spiritual battle. He takes the belt, and He tells us that we must put on the belt of commitment. Now, why am I calling it the belt of commitment? You say, but true preacher, the Scripture says the belt of truth. Well, I want to suggest to you today that in this passage, in this incident, commitment is synonymous With truth. You see, the word truth carries the idea of truthfulness. It carries the idea of integrity. So what does truthfulness and integrity mean for a soldier? It means that soldier is committed to the battle. It means commitment. Imagine a well-trained Well-equipped soldier, standing in formation, ready for the battle. Notice these guys. Imagine these guys there, trained, standing, waiting for the approach of the enemy. But in their mind, they're saying, as soon as the battle starts, we're going to desert. We're going to run for our lives. You'd say, that's not integrity. I mean, the assumption that you have with a soldier is he's committed to fight. I mean, you assume if he enlists and he goes through the training that he's committed to the battle. Anything less would be a lack of integrity and he would be hypocritical. I remember the first Persian Gulf War. You remember that we started off that war with bombarding Saddam's the National Guard, they were in those foxholes, and for 20-something days, our planes just dropped bomb after bomb after bomb. And finally, when our foot soldiers started going in, you remember what happened? Those National Guard soldiers of Saddam started scurrying out of those foxholes, out of those bunkers. They couldn't wait to surrender. They couldn't wait to get out of the fight. Well, now, that's what it's like for a soldier who's not committed to fight. And so I believe when Paul talks about the belt of truth, the belt of truthfulness, the belt of integrity, he's talking about the belt of commitment. A soldier who is not committed is a farce. There is no integrity. And if we're not committed for the fight, we don't need to be standing in formation and standing ready, looking like we're going to fight. Therefore, the first and foundational piece of armor that you and I must put on is the belt of commitment. Because if we're not totally committed to the battle, no matter what other piece of armor we may have on, no matter how well equipped we are, we'll lose. Again, imagine a soldier... With all the latest technology, all the latest weaponry at his disposal, he's been trained better than any other army in the world. But if he doesn't have a heart for the battle, a heart to fight, if he's not committed to fight, it won't do him any good. He'll lose. Because winners never quit, and quitters never win. So the first thing you and I need to ask ourselves is, are we committed to this spiritual war. Are we truly committed. To win. The war. We're not committed. If we don't have the belt of commitment on. We don't need to put on any other pieces of armor. It's just a waste of our time. We're going to lose. If we're not committed. Totally committed. To win. Now what kind of commitment. Is it that we must have. If we're going. To win. The war. Three. Three. Aspects to the commitment that I want to put before you this morning. Number one, we must have a sincere commitment. We must be soldiers of integrity. Integrity means to be true, through, and through. We must be true, through, and through. We cannot afford to act one way at church and act another way at school. Or another way at work. The way we act at church is the way we must act all week. To do anything less is to be a hypocrite. We must be sincere in our life, in our commitment as a soldier. There must be no cover-ups. There's an interesting history behind this word sincere. It actually comes from the Latin word Sin and cirrus, which means without wax. Now, how does that relate to sincerity, to being sincere? Well, back in those olden days, the merchants who made pots, sometimes their pots would have a crack in them. And so what they would do, the untrustworthy merchants, is they would take wax. And they would cover up the crack with wax. And then they would paint over the pot. And just to look at it, you would never know there was a crack in it. And so the honest merchants, not wanting people to mistake their pots for those that had cracks in them with just wax over them, would put up a sign saying, Sincerus without wax. These are genuine pots. They are true through and through. What you see is what you're actually getting. That's what sincerity means. That's what integrity means. A person who's sincere is true. They're really being honest with you. And I believe our commitment must first of all be a sincere commitment. Again, imagine a soldier who is only committed to sometime to his nation and fighting the war. At other times, he consorts with the enemy. What would you call that soldier? A traitor. Well, imagine a Christian soldier who is only committed sometimes to fighting the spiritual war. At other times, he consorts with unbelievers. What would you call him? A traitor. You see, our commitment must first of all be a sincere commitment. We must live out our commitment to our Lord and to fighting the war in private, and we must live it out in public. We must be true through and through. We must live out our commitment all the time, 24-7. It must be a sincere Commitment. With a cover-up. With wax. Tim Bowden, in his book, One Crowded Hour, tells a story that happened in Barneo during the confrontation between Malaysia and Indonesia in 1964. There were a group of Turkish soldiers from Nepal that were asked by their British commanders if they'd be willing to jump from a transport plane into combat against the Indonesians. Now normally these Turkish soldiers were willing to do anything, but they could not be required to jump because they had not been trained as paratroopers. And surprisingly to the British officer, these Turkish soldiers declined and said, no, they didn't want to do it. Well, the next day the NCO of these Turkish soldiers came to the British officer that had asked him to jump and He said, you know, we've been thinking about it, and we have decided that we would be willing to do this under certain conditions. So the British officer said, okay, what are those conditions? He said, well, first of all, we want to land in an area that doesn't have, doesn't have rocks and outcrops of rocks, but somewhere that is marshy and fairly solid. The British soldier said, well, that won't be a problem. He said, you'll be jump, jumping over jungle area and there won't be any rocks or outcrops of rocks. That won't be a problem. What else? The guy said, well, we would like the plane to slow down as much as possible before we jump, and we'd like to be no more than 100 feet off the ground. Well, the British officer said, well, there won't be a problem slowing the plane down because we always try to slow it down as much as we can. But there's going to be a problem with this 100 feet thing. That's impossible. The parachute won't have a chance to open at just a 100 feet. And the courageous soldier said, oh, well, that'll be okay then. We'll jump anywhere with parachutes. You didn't mention parachutes at first. Now, that's a true story. But I want you to know those soldiers had a sincere commitment. We as Christians must first of all have a sincere commitment that we're totally committed all the time. Because winners never quit, and quitters never win. Secondly, we must have a serious commitment. We must be deadly serious about winning the spiritual war. Paul is saying in this passage, Realize, you're in a deadly war. Get serious. The whole passage has the tone of military orders. Sharp, crisp commands. I want you to notice how many commands there are in this passage. Now you remember that I've told you on previous occasions that the Greek language of the New Testament is a very precise language. The way words were had the endings that were used on words would show if a word was a command or not. Now you and I in English know when somebody's asking a question because we put a question mark at the end of the sentence. You say, well, that's a question. But we don't have a way to say if something's a command or not, do we? And so when you read in our passage, Paul says, finally be strong in the Lord. Well, you don't know if he's making a suggestion, if he's making a statement, or if he's giving a command. But in the New Testament Greek, it was clear. If it was a command, they would end that word in its spelling in a certain way that would show, this is a command. Well, in this passage, for just such a short passage, there are several commands. Again, the idea of a crisp, sharp military order. And I want you just to see the commands. I have put them in a different color so you can see them. In Ephesians 6, beginning with verse 10. Finally, be strong. And we saw that was in the passive, be strengthened. Allow yourself to be strengthened in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Now the command. I command you, put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, because we're fighting those spiritual forces, I command you, take up the full armor of God that you'll be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything, stand firm. I command you, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, In addition to all taking up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And I command you to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Paul made no mistake to... In his writing, he wanted these Ephesians to know and us to know as Christians of all ages that this is a military warfare passage with strict, clear commands. We should be serious in our commitment. We can also see the seriousness of our commitment in verse 13. Paul says, therefore, take up the full armor of God. For what purpose? Why are we putting on this armor? So that you'll be able first to resist in the evil day. This phrase, resist in the evil day, means to stand against. It means to oppose. The word picture that Paul wants us to have in our mind is of a soldier fully equipped, fully suited up for the battle, completely armed, determined to face the enemy and to repel his attack. The soldier is determined... And with deadly seriousness, he is going to hold his ground and not give one inch to the enemy. And then he uses the phrase, having done everything. This means having completed the battle. Having done everything necessary to win. Having successfully repelled the attack. He says, stand. Firm. The picture is of the soldier having hunkered down, having determinedly stood against the enemy and done everything that was necessary to see the enemy defeated, still standing after the battle, alert, determined, waiting for the next onslaught of the enemy. That's the picture we get. He's serious. Not losing his concentration, not losing his vigilance, not looking away, but standing firm, determined, waiting for the next onslaught to do whatever it takes again to defeat the enemy. That's the seriousness of the commitment that you and I must have as we put on the belt of commitment. Several years ago, there was a young Jewish man from America who went to Israel to live. After working for two years there, he was notified that he would be required to join the Israeli army for a period of time or he must go back to the United States. He decided to stay and join the Israeli army. His father was a friend of the general, and the general actually thought that he might try to use that friendship to ensure him an easy assignment in the Israeli army. But much to the general's surprise, this young man approached him shortly after, after being in the army and said to him that his present duty was too easy. He said, I want to be in the finest, most strategic, diligent, and difficult regiment in the Israeli army. Commenting on the spirit of commitment, the general said, People think the Israelis are so successful at war because we are a super people or because we have super intellect or super strength. But our success is not built on any of these. It is built on commitment. Unreserved, total commitment. Because winners never quit and quitters never win. And then thirdly, must we not only have a sincere commitment and a serious commitment, but you and I must have a sacrificial commitment. As soldiers of the cross, we must be willing to give our life as a living sacrifice to our Lord. Our attitude must be, Lord, I'm your soldier anywhere, anytime, anything. I'm willing to lay down my life for you. I'm at your disposal. Wherever you send me to fight, Whatever hardships await me, by your grace, I am willing. We're talking about a 110% commitment to sacrifice all for Jesus. Paul had this commitment over in Acts chapter 20. Paul was approaching the end of his ministry and he was making his way back to Jerusalem for the final time. Paul had been alerted by the Spirit that imprisonment and bondage and suffering awaited him in Jerusalem. But he was going back anyway because he knew it was God's will for him to go back. As he met some of his friends along the way back, they were begging, pleading with him not to go. Let's pick up the passage in verse 22. And now behold, bound by the Spirit, Paul says, I am on my way to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me, but I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, that I may finish the course and the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Paul says, I don't know exactly what awaits me, but I know afflictions. I know bondage awaits me, but he says that's okay. Because I don't consider my life as dear to me at all. I'm willing to die that I might fulfill the ministry that my Lord has given me. Now that's sacrificial commitment. That's the commitment that we as soldiers need to have if we're going to win this spiritual war. The sacrificial commitment keeps going even when we're tired. Even when we're weary. Even when we're discouraged. We keep going. David Livingston was a pioneer missionary to Africa. He walked over 29,000 miles. His wife died early on in their ministry. He faced stiff opposition from the brethren in Scotland. He ministered half blind for all those years. Yet he wrote these words in his diary. And when you're tired, when you are weary, when you're tempted to give up the fight, remember his words. Send me anywhere, only go with me. Lay any burden on me, only sustain me. Sever me from any tie, but the tie that binds me to you and your service, and to your heart. Winners never quit, and quitters never win. Have you put on the belt of commitment? Are you totally sold out to serve your Lord in this battle? Without total commitment, we're doomed to failure. Do you have that sincere commitment that is always committed? Committed through and through? Do you have that serious commitment that's not willing to give Satan and his demons one inch? Not to allow even the smallest sin in your life? Do you have that sacrificial commitment that's willing to sacrifice whatever it takes to win the battle? On March the 5th, 1836, Lieutenant Colonel William Travis assembled his 189 soldiers together inside the old Spanish mission called the Alamo. He knew for several days that their battle was lost. He gathered those 189 men who were facing a battle with General Santa Ana's Mexican troops that counted over 4,000. They had held out for 12 days. Lieutenant Colonel Travis pulled the men together and said, Men, it's time to make a decision. Do you stay with me and most certainly die, or do you leave the battle and escape with your life? He took out his sword and he drew a line in the sand. And he said, Whoever is willing to cross over and stay and fight to the death, cross over the line. David Crockett was there. He crossed over. Jim Bowie was sick with pneumonia laying on a cot, and he asked those to pick up his cot and carry him across. All but one of the 189 crossed over, and all 189 died the next day as Santa Ana's forces rushed the Alamo. But that siege, that holding off the forces of Santa Ana for 13 days allowed Sam Houston and his forces to regroup And though they lost that battle, they won the war for independence. Now, if people are willing to give that kind of commitment to a physical war with only temporal consequences, how much more should we as soldiers of the cross be willing to give that level of commitment to a spiritual war that has eternal consequences? Have you put on the belt of commitment? Lord Jesus... Give us the grace that we need to put on that belt of total commitment. The commitment to win the war at all costs. To fight the battle against the enemy of our souls as we are strengthened by you and the power of your might.